He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You've made some some bold statements online. You've made some bold statements today, which I, I knew was going to happen. It's a Steve Milo that we know and, and love. but. I'm curious, you're known to be kind of the spitfire that does make big statements like this. And, you know, out of curiosity, is that intentional? Because it gets people talking. We've seen your your sessions at VRMA be standing room only and a line out the door, uh, especially in San Antonio. So where, you know, is that an intentionality or is this just very strong, passionate Steve Milo that's just speaking from your mind? Well, the passion is real. Um, people have to understand I entered the vacation rental industry in a place called Venice, Florida. And within a year of me going full time, they uh, tried to literally zone me out of existence. And so fortunately, I was able to win a lawsuit against the city of Venice uh, and prevail. And, um, you know, but since then, I understand how important it is to educate my colleagues um, about um, advocacy and about bad companies. You know, I do have power. I do have a voice. You know, I'm in a position where I don't have a lot of concerns about if people get upset. Um, you know, like I said, if Airbnb cuts, it up, cuts us off tomorrow, we'll still be okay. Actually, some of my operations people might be happy <laughs> because uh, there, there are real issues with dealing with Airbnb right now. It's important not just to, you know, applaud the companies and the people that do good for the industry. It's very important to point out the companies that give our industry a bad name, um, who make us look bad to the public, who make us look bad to our, our guests and to potential property owners. And, you know, part of having a voice means using that voice, not just to talk about what's good, but also to talk about what's bad. Matt Landau was talking about what comic book character I was most interested in. And I said, Spider-Man. And he said, why? I said, well, with great power comes great responsibility. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. What is up, all of you Slick Talkers out there? I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and are getting much-needed rest. As you may have heard right in the beginning of this clip or this episode, that we had Steve Milo on the show, and the whole reason I wanted to have Steve on the podcast is because he's known to be controversial. He's known to stir up conversation, to draw a crowd by 
calling out companies that he believes are not doing good business or not doing good work for our industry. And I just want to put it out there as an interviewer. This episode was very exciting for me because, you know, it's important to interview people that may or may not have the same views or beliefs or opinions that you do. But the whole point of this podcasting interview host, I guess, job, quote unquote, I hate the word job, but you know, the whole reason why I do this is because I love new perspectives and I love being able to ask more intentional questions. And that's the whole point of this interview. So do I agree or disagree on anything or everything that Steve said? Yes and no. I don't disagree with a lot and I don't agree with some of it. And um, that's the beauty of our industry. We can have conversations like this. So just want to put that out there, a little disclaimer that you may not agree, you may not believe the same statements or comments, but hey, that's the beauty of conversation. So just giving that heads up and just, yeah, really excited about how this episode turned out. I know Steve and I have crossed paths multiple times through conferences and other mutual connections, but to actually be able to sit down and have a quick conversation and go into industry topics that we do in this episode, it was really fun for me, and I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Now, before we jump into the episode, just want to say a big shout out to all of our sponsors who make this all possible. You know, without these amazing companies that are powering professional operators and hosts like myself and Steve and even you as a listener, they make our job so much better and they make our businesses so much better. So I'm so thankful for them to join this podcast. And if you like what you hear or if you need to know more, then guess what? You can check out the show notes and make sure you like and subscribe to everything that goes on with these companies because they're great supporters of the show. So we want to show them the same love right back. If you're already using them, tell me how you love them. I would love to hear anything you have to say. Now let's kick off with Steve Milo, the CEO and founder of VTrips. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And this is going to be quite a treat because we have the one and only Steve Milo, who is the CEO of eTrips uh, on the show today, which has been probably a long time in, in the making. I would say we've bumped into each other at conferences to now finally be able, being able to sit one on one here on the show. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining me and I uh, let you introduce yourself. Well, great to be on, Will. Um, yeah, I'm the CEO and founder of VTrips, and we manage 7,000 exclusive properties in the United States, mostly in the, the southeast uh, region of the country. Awesome. Well, as you may know or may not know, this show is very casual, kind of like Joe Rogan interview style. Uh, but I want to know, and I always ask this to every guest, is where did it all begin? Where was the introduction to vacation rentals for you, Steve? Well, I've been uh, staying in vacation rentals probably 30, 40 years. My parents uh, would rent vacation rentals. Uh, we lived in uh, the Virginia, Northern Virginia area, and we'd go to the Ocean City uh, to the shore, and uh, they would rent uh, usually a two-bedroom, and, uh, and we would stay for a week at a time. Awesome. So from that how did that lead into you getting into V-Trips? I, I know you had a quite the career path before, but for you as an adult growing up and experiencing the vacation rental experience, 
was there ever a moment where you were like, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to create? Well, I'd say it kind of was organic in a sense that I was a uh, director of an e large e-commerce company based out of Chicago. And I bought a vacation rental, my first vacation rental in 2002 in, um, in Southwest Florida. And, uh, at that time, uh, it was right, uh, kind of after 9-11 and, uh, property management companies were not taking on new, uh, new properties. Uh, they, they were having real problems. And so I was left with the, uh, decision of creating my own website and creating my own marketing or essentially, you know, not being able to finance the, the vacation rental. So, you know, that was really my start was just like many uh, people who have been on your show or who you've met at conferences, it was as a rent by owner. Uh, it wasn't until much later that I started to look at this as a possibility of a, a full-time career. And from that, you know, that moment in particular, trying to figure it out, what was the biggest learning I think that, that you saw to then go create V-Trip? So was there something that was just like, okay, this is a big problem, nobody's solving it, maybe I could do it. Well, definitely marketing um, was was a big issue. I mean, back in 2002, 2003, websites uh, in many cases were static, uh, which meant you couldn't even transact on them. Um, pricing was, you know, maybe three or four seasons um, and distribution in general amounted to, um, you know, property managers mailing out catalogs or advertising in newspapers or magazines. Um, you know, what I saw uh, as I started to have success with my rent by owner properties was there were all these new uh, channels that were starting. VRBO was one of them, but, you know, at that time there were great rentals, vacation rentals, uh, rentals 101. There were a number of different places that were like classified listings, but for vacation rentals, and customers were able to call or email. And the other thing I found out was there was software that was uh, hosted and web-based um, where you could run your entire company on it. And uh, so I just saw a lot of technology at its infancy stages that I thought would allow someone to scale if they truly were interested in doing that. Yeah, and seeing it in its infancy, what would you say now from, let's say, 2002 to where we are today in 2022 of technology, what's what's stayed the same and what's the biggest difference so far from you and, and what you guys have done with V-Trips? Definitely distribution has come a long way where it's truly transactional. Um, you know, when I first hired my uh, first employee, which was uh, 2006, it was a reservation agent. And uh, I used to have a sizable call center and 80% uh, of our volume was, uh, you know, either over the phone or um, with emails. Uh, so yes, VRBO would get you a lot of, um, you know, leads, but you had to have a lot of um, representatives and agents to, to handle it. It was a very, very manual process. Um, today, 80% uh, of our bookings are transactional. That means, you know, if effectively a human doesn't touch them. So we still have a call center. The call center uh, is there uh, handling in general older um, guests or guests who are looking at a larger, more complicated pro 
property where they they just have a lot of questions and and so that touch is important but you know it's definitely shifted um dramatically in in less than 20 years and would you say that's going to continue for for you guys or even for the industry as a whole i would think it'll continue but there's still in my opinion going to be uh companies that are going to keep a call center um just because again if you're handling luxury properties or high-end properties just having people are is critical and and i think it gives you an edge in booking so i'm not sure we're going to see uh you know 100 percent to zero um but you know every year we we keep uh seeing more and more um transactional bookings versus um uh, reservation agent bookings gotcha that makes sense um well i want to kind of dive into outside of just like your story i i did see i i Forgive me, I stalked your LinkedIn account and I, I went through your old history and I did see that you worked for Marvel. So um, did you would you ever see or say um, your experience through Marvel to then going to e-commerce and the way we are today has really impacted the way you've created and, and own and operate V-Trips or is there any touch at all or was that just a fun experience for you to get into uh, as a career? Well, I think as people have gotten to know a little bit more of my background, um, I think they see that I'm actually fairly creative, uh, which is what you're going to, what's required in a kind of a industry where there's not a lot of standards. Uh, you need to be able to be creative. You need to be able to pivot. Um, so yeah, the um, experience with another universe, which was the company I created literally out of my dorm room. Um, ended up selling and then I worked for Marvel. Um, you know, I cut my teeth early, uh, in e-commerce. Um, but you know, it was figuring out how to do SEO, um, search engine optimization, you know, websites that were fairly crude and cheap, but effective email marketing, um, you know, all the, uh, blocking and tackling that you need, but in a creative way. So I've been able to, you know, sell products that were different and vacation rentals point where I, you know, decided to go full time vacation rentals just had 11% um, consumer awareness, ac according to focus, right? It was very, very tiny. Today, it's closer to 60%. But that means there's still a long ways to go. So I think creativity or vision, or whatever you want to call it, is critical in terms of building a property management company that can scale. Uh, and to date, there has not been a successful example in the U.S. market of a company that can scale at a large level. And why do you think that is? Is it due to the nature of location and geographic, you know, challenges that go with outside of regulation issues, but getting the turnovers done, getting the technology installed, the actual servicing of the guests? What is it making that, you know, making that unsuccessful scalability issue? Well, it's operations and integration and, um, and also strategy. So, you know, dealing with operations first, you're dealing with a lot of people, um, a lot of frontline staff, cleaners, maintenance men, um, and, you know, service people, uh, you know, guest agents, um, owner, uh, representatives, you have a lot of people that you've got to make sure you have processes in place to be able to execute at a level where you don't have, you know, kind of a hands-on owner in the office. Um, 
you know, integration is another component that as you centralize um, companies that used to be kind of small, uh, more mom and pop, uh, you know, if you don't integrate them properly, uh, you can really break the company. And then strategy, you know, has really been a bigger part of this too, where you've had companies, uh, you know, Turnkey is one and Vacasa is another, who've just, you know, come in and destroyed the, the local brands. They've, you know, just taken um, all the goodwill and tried to, you know, create a national brand. And uh, that, that just isn't smart when you're dealing with companies that were built over 20, 30 years in their local communities and have all kinds of brand equity. So, you know, there, there, it's a complicated business. I think there's just been some execution failures, particularly in the United States market um, by some of the larger companies that amassed a lot of capital from private equity firms. How do you guys integrate? Uh, I know you've acquired quite a few um, local independent vacation rental management companies in, in the past, and I'm assuming would continue to do in the future. How do you guys integrate them into the VTrips community? Well, in every uh, major market, we're keeping a local uh, brand that's dominant in the area. We're keeping that website. We're keeping, you know, the name of the company. Um, and, and so that's really important. Um, and the other thing is, um, we're leveraging hosted systems. So as you know, there's again, companies who have gone out and tried to develop their own software and, you know, claim that they're a technology company and that this software has a lot of value. Um, you know, it, it's really the investors who, you know, bought into that, who deserve what they've gotten, which is disaster because those companies were never, their core competency was never technology, even though they were claiming that they were technology companies. Um, you know, we've partnered with um, companies. Uh, today we're with Track, which is owned uh, by uh, TNS, um, uh, Brian Bailey, who uh, you just did an interview with. Um, you know, there are system, you know, there are property management system and across the board, we've host, we work with best of breed hosted systems, um, who, you know, that's what they do for a living. And so that allows us to be technology enabled without having to just continue to pour resources into technology development. So does that, when that transition happens, so with the integration, do you real, do you see a lot of you know, local property managers using either old outdated systems in tech, or are they particularly on something and then you guys move them over? I, I mean, most of the companies we've purchased have a lot of different pieces. And so it's up to us to kind of standardize that. Uh, there's no way you can run a large centralized company on a bunch of different technology stacks. So, you know, track is our system of record. Um, you know, we uh, have beyond pricing for our uh, pricing tool. We're using um, primarily beyond uh, be home 247 for smart locks, um, you know, on and on, we are consolidating everyone to one central tech stack, um, so that we can all talk and learn together. Um, you know, we've looked at companies who are just on so many different pieces of technology, it creates a lot of complications. So, you know, we've tried to simplify. And then as we, you know, as, because we're bigger, we, we just get better pricing from the vendors that we uh, work with. Yeah, totally makes sense. And out of the, 
because you, you said over 7,000 properties in the U.S. for you guys? Yeah, we have 7,000 exclusive vacation rentals um, in about 30 different markets. And how many would you say percentage-wise were through acquisition versus just V-trips going out and signing contracts with, with owners or other companies? Well, I'd say the, the first 600 properties I did all organically. And after that, it's all been through merger and acquisition that we've grown uh, the scale of the company. So it's been a combination and we still do organic um, and we're very thoughtful about it. Um, you know, in terms of organic, um, you know, our goal is to have a net plus every year. Uh, some of the offices have had as high as 15 to 20% net gains. Some of the offices, if they're in an area like Florida, where there's a lot of properties that have sold and full-time residents are moving in, they may actually have a, a net, um, a negative number. But as a company, our goal is to, you know, be a, you know, positive, uh, you know, amount of new properties. Um, and we did that in 2022 um, without spending a, a, a fortune. That's good. Um, what are some property or industry standards that property management companies, um, maybe ignore that you guys don't, and maybe something specific that you feel is like super important, but isn't being talked about enough within the conversation. Laundry. I mean, I think that's a, that's a big one. And, and we still come across companies that are doing, letting their cleaners, uh, wash and dry linens in the unit, which is just a terrible situation and no standards. Um, I don't know how you can expect cleaners to clean the property and wash and dry linens and for it to be hygienic. I mean, those residential machines aren't even meant for the amount of laundry they're trying to put through. So standardizing laundry is, is a big one. Smart home um, automation is is also been important. And then, you know, we've been really big on uh, working on the advocacy front. Um, in, in the areas we're in and, and, you know, we're committed to the industry long-term and part of being committed to it long-term means that you've got to protect, um, you know, the, the states and the cities that we're in. Definitely. And I know we talked, we didn't particularly talk a lot about it, but you talked a lot about it on stage at the book direct show going into advocacy. What does that look like being a part of the local community fundraising? um, donations, all the above. So I guess where does the, where's the tipping point when it comes to advocacy? Um, you know, all this hard work, it's a long, it's a long process. It's not fast. Where does that scale tip over to become where is actually fair regulation and the, the local destination can actually, uh, sustain the growth of the market? Well, we're at a tipping point right now in a lot of markets due to um, what's being called fair market, fair housing issues um, because of increased rent and because of increased housing prices in a lot of communities. And the narrative is that investors are buying up vacation rentals and that is displacing residents and driving rents and, and housing prices higher. Um, you know, part of this is we've got a We've got to do a better job as property managers to be proactive. Property managers have done a terrible job of being proactive. They wait until restrictions are being drafted 
at their local city or town um, before they tend to organize um, or even think about going to the state. And then, you know, a lot of times it's too late. Mm-hmm. So part of what I've talked about is um, getting property managers um, committed on a yearly basis to advocacy, not just when something flares up. And that's been, you know, really uh, difficult. Uh, I'd say 95% of the property managers uh, have not contributed a dime to advocacy, uh, don't put money away for advocacy, and um, really uh, just are either naive or um, don't really care um, about it until it's too late. And uh, that that's really concerning to me. Um, and part of what I've done is to try to figure out how do we address this. I'd say uh, right to rent, um, which uh, Scott Leggett over at Habit IQ has been um, pioneering, maybe one of the ways. So that's um, basically the software um, systems, the property management systems set up where the property manager automatically can have a dollar or $2 of every booking put to uh, advocacy. Um, you know, that's kind of out of the box thinking that may help uh, in some of the areas. But even the people who don't have money, it's been hard to even get them to contribute their time and effort. So it's, it's been pretty frustrating and disappointing. Um, I guess part of it is just I've got to keep going to events like Book Direct and talk about it um, and, you know, then try to convince people like Damien to have an advocacy uh, fundraising event, um, you know, the night of or the night after. Um, and just to start to get people into the habit of contributing money. Would you say a lot of short-term rental operators, managers, all the above, um, the reason why they have a hard time is due to a lack of education? Because I think we've seen a lot of people kind of get into this industry accidentally, right? Like they buy a home or their mom and dad have a second vacation property and they hear about Airbnb and then they get into it. And the next thing you know, they're at 10, 20 properties by themselves uh, with a small cleaning team. And then, you know, they get hit either with legislation right then and there, or it becomes something that happens through an accident or whatever it might be. Would you say it's a lack of education or what, what do you think really is the issue outside of um, complacency? It's apathy. Um, it's, they don't think it's going to happen to them. Um, and then again, you know, they, it becomes the most important issue when it does. And it's frustrating, um, you know, and it's not just the small, uh, companies with 10 properties, there's companies with, you know, a thousand properties where you can't get them to contribute money. Um, it's, it's running throughout the industry. I'm not sure necessarily how to solve it because there's a lot of companies that have stepped up. I mean, you know, Sharon Walker of Lux, uh, Walker Luxury Properties, I mean, she's donated tens of thousands of dollars and she has 40 properties. She's chair of the uh, Texas State Coalition for Vacation Rentals. Um, you know, so there are shining um, stars out there that are just, you know, donating their money, spending their time, um, talking to lobbyists, talking to um, state uh, officials. Uh, but we need to have more people like her who are really, you know, they care. And um, 
you know, so that's why I come on the podcast. That's why I speak at these events. And you're right. Some of it might be education and some of it, as we did at the, um, at the, the book direct event is just kind of shocking people into understanding, you know, that they could literally lose their entire business if they don't start to take this seriously. hundred percent. And I think there's a lot of, it's a, it's a kind of like you said earlier, the lack of standards makes it hard because now we have to pretty much start over from scratch. Um, and I wanted to ask you a question around standards when it, when it comes to standard, you know, standardization and professionalism in the, in the industry, you know, a lot of people talk about, it's not just like a clean home, it's operations, it's tech, it's all this other stuff. Do you think short-term rentals need to model after hotels when it comes to standardization, when it comes to a, a lodging accommodation? Or how do we, I guess, look for like a North Star when it comes to standards? Well, it's going to be hard in general to get an industry to standardize that's unstandardized. I do think some of the larger companies have the ability to potentially work together on a set of standards or a code of, of standards, um, which everybody agrees to. Um, and, you know, even standards that we could then get the OTAs to agree to. So for instance, one of the big, one of the big ones is, um, Wi-Fi. Now, most people, you know, they expect Wi-Fi, but now the question is what's the upload speed, right? So, you know, we should be agreeing on the type of standards that the OTAs feed out to the consumer because there's a lot of reasons for it. One, that's what the consumers want. I mean, they're doing all these Zoom and work remote and the upload speed is very important. Um, and it makes a huge difference in whether they can actually do remote work. Two, if you don't list it, then they're going to try to contact you to find out. And that just isn't efficient at all. Um, and three, it, you know, it's a standard, right? You set expectations, you explain to the consumer exactly what the upload speed is, and then they know when they get there, what it is. And there's not a surprise. There's not a misalignment of, Hey, I expected one thing. And then I got something else because we have some properties in mountain regions where, you know, the, the you know, the, uh, the Wi-Fi speed is, is weaker, um, you know, and, 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 and we need to have the ability with the OTAs to be able to, you know, get more granular. And that's just one, you know, one example, right? Um, there's other examples like professional laundry service. I mean, there's, there's, there has to be somewhere where you can explain to a consumer easily that you follow, um, you know, a higher standard of, of linen and, and laundry uh, cleaning, and that should give you a bump with the OTAs and their algorithm. Um, so the, I mean, those are just examples, right? So the larger companies I think are going to have to drive the standards because, um, you know, they're going to have to be the example for the industry. As one of the larger companies in the industry, are you wanting to collaborate with others in the bigger player space to, to bring that to the table with, you know, uh, you know, um, OTAs and other things like that? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been very involved in VRMA. Um, I've dealt with a lot of large companies that I think are actually going to be around um, and where the executives are not uh, turning every uh, couple months. Uh, so, you know, the companies that are serious um, and are, you know, um, entering the business the right way, um, trying to act like hospitality companies, running a profitable business, those companies are going to be around and, 
Um, my goal is to try to, you know, work with those companies to try to create standards, try to create advocacy. You know, there's certain things we can all agree on and, you know, advocacy is one way to kind of get everybody together, but standards is another way, uh, and should be the next piece that we talk about. 100%. Totally agree. Um, I had another question and this might get a little, a little spicy and fun, but, um, you know, uh, on stage at the book direct show, you mentioned that the, the death star is Airbnb. And that was one of my favorite quotes because it was the way you executed it was super good. Um, so the death star is Airbnb. If we don't watch out, they're going to blow us up. Um, what you were around when VRBO came or Verbo, whatever people want to announce it as, uh, to then as other distribution channels opened up, you know, with Airbnb now taking popularity, they've gone public, they've had massive success and growth, all this stuff. Now, where does Airbnb play a role in your business or does it play a role at all in what you guys are building at VTrips? Well, I appreciate you looking at my background. You know, I've been calling out companies since 2015, starting with TripAdvisor. And, um, you know, I actually rallied a lot of property managers together. Uh, and uh, we and that was at a point when TripAdvisor was the second largest OTA in the United States. And uh, we brought a tremendous amount of awareness about what a bad partner they were. Um, VRBO, we brought a lot of attention when they were trying to do this matchback, uh, literally trying to get us to pay for revenue for offline bookings um, and attributing it to online. Um, I brought attention, um, you know, to Vacasa and, and, and I've certainly talked about Airbnb, you know, Airbnb is complicated because there's, there's some really, really good people at Airbnb. I'd say the vast majority of the people care and really want to have a good company. The problem is there's just a strategy at the very top at the C level, um, that misaligns the company with uh, professional managers and hosts and really creates havoc uh, for the industry. And, and that is um, that at the very top level, they believe that, um, you know, the experience should be local, which means that you should be able to rent an Airbnb virtually anywhere. Um, and that's a great idea. Um, and not only a great idea, one that should, you know, they should evangelize. And that is, that has created so much destruction, uh, throughout the world where cities have rebelled against Airbnb, New York city, um, Chicago, Paris, on and on and on. It's because of this recklessness that has come from the sea level of Airbnb, um, about, you know, taking vacation rentals outside of the, the core that they really belong in and going outside. You know, we're facing um, all kinds of bans in Hawaii. You know, example, once again, where you would never think there would be bans on vacation rentals, but it's because Airbnb has created so much friction by taking listings. If you've ever been to Maui, it's a beautiful place. There's uh, a beach, um, there's properties on the beach, there's properties off the beach, a block away from the beach, all the restaurants, all the, you know, the the boats, the uh, kayaks, all the um, entertainment is really on the beach. And so Airbnb starts taking listings of properties up in the hills, uh, where the locals live. And, uh, 
so many people started to convert those properties into, you know, vacation rentals. It started to drive up the price of affordable housing for the people that work there and also created a lot of friction um, in those residential neighborhoods. And now Maui is considering, you know, almost zoning out all vacation rentals. And, uh, you know, that's already happened uh, in Honolulu uh, where vacation rentals were zoned out. And this is Airbnb. This is starting with Airbnb. And, you know, it's this whole notion um, coming from the corporate that somehow, you know, live like a local is is really a smart idea. And unlike Uber, they have refused to pivot. I mean, Uber had the same issues of illegal activities, um, things that were really gross uh, to the rest of society. Um, and, you know, the board eventually cleaned it up um, and they uh, fired the CEO, Travis, and they brought in uh, Dara Koscheski, um to come in and uh, start a brand new company. Um, and, you know, and Uber has made tremendous strides since uh, that's occurred. Uh, with Airbnb, you say you have at the very top the same leadership um, and he's become extremely isolated. Um, you can listen to him. He's on the Kara Swisher uh, uh, podcast, um, and you can judge for yourself. This is a person that's out of touch. Um, he doesn't represent the good of the industry, even though he thinks he does. He's destroying um, this this industry by literally creating friction with local governments where it doesn't have to be. And anytime he would like to debate it, and I'm talking about Brian Chesky, I'd be happy to be on a stage with him. Uh, but right now he's got a lot of stock issues, so I doubt he's going to be uh, having a debate about the, his company. Um, you know, they've got major earning issues uh, that they're going to miss. But worse, cancel culture is coming at them. Um, there's been a huge social media backlash regarding what Airbnb has done with fair market housing. And um, they're not getting in front of this story because they're still allowing all these rentals, which they shouldn't. Um, on their listing platform. And uh, I don't believe Airbnb is going to change this long as Brian Chesky is CEO. But hey, look, Disney just changed their CEO. So maybe the board at Airbnb will have enough. Probably uh, it'll take the stock going down uh, consistently more. But, um, you know, I had strong things to say about Stephen Coffer. He lasted at TripAdvisor, he lasted a lot longer than I anticipated. I also had very strong things to say about John Kim at HomeAway. They removed him pretty fast. So let's see what happens at the board level with Airbnb, because as long as Chesky is there, I don't think Airbnb changes. And again, take, listen to the Kara Swisher podcast, read his autobiography that's on Amazon. Judge for yourself. That's uh, really good. I uh, have a question around Airbnb still, but if, if you had it your way, would you get rid of the platform completely or would it just be Chesky and the, the C-level executive? Um, it's Chesky. I mean, there'd been tremendous turnover at that company because of Chesky. CFOs, COOs, um, they haven't had stability on the head of the vacation rental um, division uh, since Sean Stewart left in, I think, 2016 or 2017. It's been a rotating, revolving door. Um, there's no stability uh, unless Chesky is removed. Um, but I think the platform is, is a good one. It can, it can, it can be a good company. I thought when they went public, 
they would make that pivot. I thought they would pivot and get rid of a lot of the bad behavior they were doing. I mean, they, one of the reasons why you, um, you know, Dennis Shale over Skiff wrote a excellent article called the oral history of the vacation rental industry. Recommend people, um, try to Google it and, and read it. It's, it's fascinating. But one of the reasons why, um, Burbo Homeway didn't invest in Airbnb when they easily could have was because of, was because Airbnb was clearly um, operating illegally in too many places. And as a publicly traded company, HomeAway could not buy a company that was doing so many illegal acts and knowingly um, having inventory that was illegal, um, illegally zoned, illegally operating, um, et cetera. The thought was when they went public that the illegal um, aspects would end um, and, you know, that Airbnb would clean themselves up. I mean, certainly they had the market cap to do that. They had the market cap to make the decision. We will eliminate these listings that are causing friction with um, us and, and our neighbors. We will do this because, you know, we've got a hundred billion dollar company and yet they didn't do that. And again, that's because the essence is live like a local. Well, when you want to live like a local and the locals don't want you living next to them, um, you've got a real problem. And, um, you know, right now, um, things are not going to change at Airbnb unless Chesky is gone. If you had five minutes or, or less to give some advice to new hosts that are just on Airbnb, they haven't actually expanded into the property management company size or, or professionalism, what would that advice be? Well, the advice it would be you're playing Russian roulette. So anyone who thinks that's a fun game, you know, you can, you know, watch people do it on YouTube. It's not a fun game, um, but that's what you're doing. You're basically just gambling. The business that you made will still be around if you're just on one channel, right? So uh, I'll never forget. I was on a panel in London in 2018 with a gentleman who had 200 properties in London on Airbnb. He didn't have a website. He did not even have his own website. And when I asked him, why don't you have your own website? He said, Airbnb was his marketing partner. He called him a partner. Uh, that gentleman is gone. Um, COVID killed him. Um, not literally, but his business went away because he was dependent on Airbnb and he couldn't sustain, um, you know, the cash flow loss from them, um, exercising the extenuating circumstances and abusing that, um, you know, your host, if they don't have their own website, they should not be in business. They should hand it over to somebody who's a professional manager who's going to create a website, create email, create social media campaigns. They should be on multiple channels. I mean, I can talk tough about Airbnb because Airbnb at the end of the day is 5% of our revenue. So that's a combination because we have 60% of our business coming from um, our direct site and because we're on I don't know, a dozen different OTAs. So we're never overly dependent on Airbnb um, so that if, you know, at any point, if they decide to cut us off, we're still in business. I mean, and we've had this conversation internally um, that we don't want to get too dependent on a bad company. And right now, these hosts are in bed with a very bad company. Well, uh, you, you've made some, some bold statements online. You've made some bold statements today, which I, I knew was going to happen. It's a Steve Milo that we know and, and love, but I, uh, 
you know, I'm curious. You're, you're known to be kind of the spitfire that does make big statements like this. And, you know, out of curiosity, does is that intentional? Because it gets people talking. I we we've seen your your sessions at VRMA be standing room only and a line out the door, uh, especially in San Antonio. So where you know is that an intentionality or is this just very strong, passionate uh, Steve Milo that's just speaking from from your your mind? Well, the passion is real. Um, people have to understand. I entered the vacation rental industry in a place called Venice, Florida. And within a year uh, of me going full time, they uh, tried to literally zone me out of existence. Um, and so, you know, fortunately, I was able to win a lawsuit against the city of Venice uh, and prevail. And, um, you know, but since then, I understand how important it is to educate um, my, my colleagues um, about um, advocacy and about bad companies. Um, you know, I do have power. I do have a voice. Um, you know, I'm in a position where I, uh, don't have a lot of concerns about if people get upset. Um, you know, like I said, if Airbnb cuts it up, cuts us off tomorrow, we'll still be okay. Um, actually some of my operations, people might be happy <laughs> because, uh, there, there are real issues with dealing with Airbnb right now. So, um, it's because it's important not just to, you know, applaud the companies and the people that do good for the industry. It's very important to point out the companies that give our industry a bad name, um, who make us look bad to the public, who make us look bad um, to our, our guests and to potential property owners. And, you know, Part of having a voice means using that voice, not just to talk about what's good, but also to talk about what's bad. Um, you know, uh, Matt Landau was talking about what comic book character um, I was most interested in. And I said, Spider-Man. And he said, why? I said, well, with great power comes great responsibility. And what that means is that when you have power, you're not only responsible for using the power, you're responsible for not using the power. So I know I have power. I know, um, you know, I have a huge social media, um, you know, following. Um, I have a lot of people in the industry who, you know, pay attention to what I say. And so, you know, the fact that I've taken a hard stance about Airbnb and Vacasa is intentional. Um, both of these companies are bad. They're both bad in different ways, um, but they're not good for the industry. Well, I was going to say, uh, to reference your Marvel background again, it's, you have to have in every story, it sounds like a good guy and a bad guy, right? There can't be just a bunch of good guys parading around. It has to be some kind of villain in, in the story. So uh, sounds like that's something maybe you took from your time at Marvel and I've brought over to the vacation rental space in, in a good way, because obviously, like you said, great power comes great responsibility. So very, uh, very interesting to see the Marvel story come back around. Um, I am I am going to say I was going to mention shout out to Matt Landau and your guys's episode on the Home Runners documentary. I was unfortunately unable to make it due to a delayed flight at VRMA, uh, but I heard nothing but great things through the attendance and the actual viewing of the episode. So wanted to give you a, a kudos for that. But um, now that we're recording, 
right before Thanksgiving, which thank you for taking the time to do. Um, you know, I think to end on a positive note was something that Steve Milo is thankful for uh, in his life around either the industry or just personally. Well, I'm, I just got married, so I'm very thankful of my wife, Heather. Yeah, I just got married in uh, June. Uh, so uh, we're actually taking a little vacation in a couple days. And uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's something very nice. Awesome. Well, congratulations to you too. Um, and yeah, I just want to say, I think you've answered all my questions and then some, so I just want to say, I appreciate you taking the time today on the podcast to share your thoughts and, and the perspective that you have around all sorts of different topics. Um, our closing question we always ask every guest is if you had one link to have in the show notes, what would it be? And why would you want people? Well, I would encourage people if they're interested in in more content like this to use linkedin steve milo um i post almost daily and i think you would find my uh, topics to be very interesting they are very interesting i can attest to it so i appreciate you steve thank you so much for being on the on the podcast and for all the slick talkers out there that are watching listening all the above Make sure you like and subscribe to everything Steve Milo, V-Trips, you name it, anything we've talked about there. And we'll see you all again next week. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.